0: You to uh, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 45, if you would please. Genesis 45. It's going to take us a while to get there, but we are going to get there. And by the way, in case you don't know it, Micah Timothy Stephen Pollock was born yesterday at 10 a.m., and he is According to the mother, gorgeous and calm, which, if you're a new mother, I'm thinking both are pretty good things, don't you think? Gorgeous and calm. So that's exciting, and we uh, need to rejoice with Darren and Jill for sure, and uh, the the birth of this new baby, that's exciting, and uh, look forward to meeting them when they get here. Let me make a comment about uh, Remembrance Day. That's today. One of the reasons that we have the freedom in Canada to worship Jesus Christ freely and without persecution is because men and women have paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we could do so. We have to be careful, I think, about mixing religion and politics, but it's not much of a stretch to associate Jesus with the benefits of even political freedom in that Jesus would always stand against exploitation, mistreatment, and the enslavement of others. And it's not a stretch to link Christ with disallowing the evil that is always associated with the sinful nature from bringing untold misery into the lives of other human beings. And in sometimes, sometimes, of course, in the past this, is, uh, this has happened far too often. Because of the sinful nature, there are always human beings who love to rule over others, to make slaves of others, to bring misery into the lives of others. And this will happen if someone is not willing to try to prevent it, whether it's a member of military force or a peace officer in our own town. Very quickly, we will be looking at the story of the Exodus on Sunday morning and in our live groups. And part of the Exodus story is God saying, I will no longer allow my people to be enslaved and so when we think about uh, those who have paid uh, an ultimate kind of sacrifice in order to make it so that we don't have to be enslaved we need to be uh, just remembering that and thoughtful about those people and not take for granted the sacrifice that they've made well given uh, the fact that we're going to be looking at that in not too long and the fact that we've been thinking about God's redemption. It's interesting that when we come to the story of Joseph, that so often what we think of is a children's story. And I can remember as a kid, or not as a kid, sorry, I can remember when my kids were little, Reading to them the story of Joseph, Robin and I bought years and years ago when our kids were just really young, we bought not quite a whole series, but a whole number in a series of 52 Bible story books. And they were just little thin Bible story books published by Lion Publishing from Australia or something. And the pictures were great and the text was great. And we would sit and read these stories to our children. And I can remember the title of the one for Joseph. It was called Joseph the Dreamer. And I don't know how many times that we read Joseph the Dreamer to our children, but it was a bunch. Like that was just one of those things that we did. We read Joseph the Dreamer and all these other stories. And it's sad to think in one sense that for them this could be just a story, a children's story, because indeed it is so much more than that. Other people, if they don't think of Joseph the Dreamer and a children's story, might think of this. Joseph the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Now, I can just ask you, who is it that was the star in this play? Donnie Osmond, my sister's heartthrob when they were growing up. And some of you ladies out there, you can totally identify with Donnie Osmond as your heartthrob. Now, Donnie Osmond is now, he's the same age as me, he's 54. Probably not the same heartthrob that he used to be, although he probably still has that amazing hair, of which I was always quite jealous. So we, we might think of Joseph and the amazing, the technicolor dream coat uh, when we think of this story of Joseph. But, again, this is a long ways from being the story that needs to be thought about. Nobody ever saw... 11-year-old J.C. Lee Dugard as she grew into a woman in Nancy and Philip Gerardo's backyard. And here is this. Is this working now? Jacob, you want to move me on to the next slide? Thank you. This is um, J.C. Lee Dugard. She was growing up in California... She was 11 years old, and she was kidnapped by this fellow, Philip Gerardo. Gerardo, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. And for the next 18 years, she lived in a shed in his backyard with his wife's full knowledge. And in 2009, after her children were now 15 and 11, produced by him, the kids were handing out some flyers on a university campus because he did some kind of publicity for a religion that he was part of. So he was passing out some flyers, and one of the security guards thought that something was a little amiss here, thought that something was funny in the way that these kids were acting. And so they did some investigation. They found out that he was on parole. And one of the conditions of his parole was that he wasn't supposed to be with children. So they hauled him in and started doing some investigation. And when he went in to the investigation, he took his wife and he took the woman who is now 29 years old, who had been with him for 18 years. And while they were sitting there, this woman, there we go, this woman who is now 29 said to the authorities, I am not Alyssa, as he says. My name is... Jamie Lee Dugard, is that what it was? J.C. Lee Dugard. And she divulged that she had been captive, held by him for 18 years. You can imagine the authorities, what do you do with that one all of a sudden? So they did some quick checking. Indeed, she was on a missing persons list for all this time. And she had been set free. Now, you hear that story, and all of a sudden, the story of Joseph being put into a cistern by his brothers, and enslaved after that in Egypt, starts to have a little bit of a different feel. All of a sudden, we're not talking about a children's story, we're talking about someone who has been kidnapped. We're talking about somebody who has endured incredible, horrifying things because of his enslavement. And we're talking then about, in some sense, I think, the possibility of our own enslavement. The possibility that we could have things happen to us that are not what we want them at all to be. And the fact is, is that you go through your own life and your own history and you think about what it means for you to be a human being before God, but living in this world. And you realize that there are indeed things that happen to you that are not at all what you want them to be. And it certainly is no children's story. And it's certainly no Broadway musical If nothing else, the story of Joseph and his family and his brothers and his dad is an incredible dysfunctional story. An amazingly dysfunctional family. Can you imagine what it would be like to have your brothers put you in a well and then sell you into slavery and then to go and tell your father that you're dead? Now, there are some of you who've got brothers. You might think to yourself, not a bad idea. And your family may, to some extent, be dysfunctional. But is it this dysfunctional? Would Darcy Pollock think to himself, I can get rid of Darren? Yeah, he probably would. So I don't know if you know the story. We can't read through the whole story this morning, but it's a story of great tragedy. There is betrayal as Joseph is sold by his brothers into slavery. There's oppression as Joseph becomes the property of Potiphar. There is fear as Joseph runs from Potiphar's wife and then is arrested and put in jail. There's betrayal as the cupbearer forgets Joseph and leaves him in prison for two years after he says that he'll try and get him out. There's anguish as Joseph eventually sees the brothers who betrayed him and they come before him and he's now in a position of power. And there had to have been times when Joseph was totally ready to give up. How could he not be ready at times to give up? You know, you you go from being your father's favorite son, and you get the coat of many colors, and everything looks good. And then all of a sudden, you're sold into slavery, and things are bad. And then after you go down into Egypt and you're at Potiphar's house for a while, then all of a sudden things start to look good and God is with him and uh, Joseph rises to a position of power within Potiphar's own house and he's given all kinds of responsibility and things look good, but then Potiphar's Potiphar's wife and that occasion happens and he ends up in jail. Then he interprets some more dreams as he had done before and he ends up rising to a position of power within the prison, and he eventually helps out the king's cupbearer, and he helps out, helps out the the king's baker, and it looks like things are going quite well for him again. But then the baker ends up being killed, and the cupbearer forgets him in prison, so he's there for two more years in prison, unable to be released. And then eventually he rises again to a position of power, and he's now the leader In Egypt and the one who procures the food during their famine. He interprets the king's dreams and everything is going well. But then he's faced again with his brothers coming. And seeing him in the anguish of facing his situation, his fears and his history. And so this journey that Joseph goes on is in many ways not unlike the journey that you and I sometimes have to go on. And don't you know people? Who've experienced incredible heartache in this life? And in fact, don't you know Christians who have experienced incredible heartache in this life? What do you do with the pain that some of your brothers and sisters in Christ have experienced? Aren't there times, honestly folks, aren't there times when we end up saying to God, Lord, I don't get it. And I don't know what you're doing. And I'm hurting. And I'm in pain. And I feel like you've forgotten me down here. Things are not going the way that I want them to go. What is going on, God? Life's pretty good for me. But I have to admit that there are times when I wonder just exactly what God is doing. Aren't you a little bit surprised then when Joseph's brothers show up on the scene in Egypt and with his response to them? Like after everything that he has gone through, the imprisonments, the slavery, the betrayals, everything that has gone bad, and if there's any persons or circumstances to which he can point and say, this is the reason that this happened to me. It's these guys. And all of a sudden, those who betrayed him and put him into slavery, put him in the exact circumstances that have been so awful for him in life, all of a sudden they appear before him. And you would think, you would expect that at that point, any human being is going to say, off with their heads. Put them in, in jail the way I have been. Make them slaves the way I have been. And instead, what you see is a man who weeps with compassion for his brothers as they come into his presence. This is the the second most powerful man in Egypt. And there isn't anything that anyone could do to stop him from carrying out his will on these people that have treated him so badly. And instead of doing that, he does exactly the opposite. And there's only one reason that I can think of for that being the case. And that is, as this story says numerous times as you go through it, God was with Joseph. And there is something going on between the two of them, between God and Joseph. Joseph, on the one hand, no matter what happens to him, remains faithful. He continues to trust. He continues to be God's man. And because he is faithful, because he continues to be God's man, God keeps blessing him. And so every circumstance in which he finds himself, he eventually rises to the top. And it's not just because he's a smart guy or a good guy. It's because God blesses him, the text says. And so in one sense, it's not surprising so much as his brothers come into his presence because Joseph has been living out a story that is not just the story of someone receiving great pain and the ups and downs and the turmoils of life. Joseph's story is so much more than that. His life story is a story of someone who is walking not by himself through all his trials, but with his God. And he knows it. He experiences that. He experiences God's faithfulness to him. And God's faithfulness to him means for Joseph that he's going to be faithful in response. And a lot of us wouldn't necessarily be. Again, it would be so easy for us to say, God, what are you doing? Why is this happening to me? But he instead remains faithful, and God blesses him because he is. And so... You have God here blessing Joseph. You have Joseph being faithful. And we are finally able to see then what God is doing throughout the story because Joseph keeps responding faithfully. And God is able to carry out his vision and his plan for what Joseph's life is going to be because Joseph responds faithfully to God through all the trials. Listen to these words from Genesis 45. You can look at your Bibles in verse 1. And the scene is, is such a dramatic one. It's his brothers being there for the third time now before him. And he's had so much opportunity here to finally get back at them. But, of course, he chooses not to. And what he wants, you can tell so badly, is simply to see his father and spend time with his brother and rebuild the relationships That were broken so long ago. And it says in verse 1. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out. Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph. When he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly. That the Egyptians heard him. And Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers. I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers weren't able to answer him because they were terrified of his presence. I can imagine they would be. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I'm your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Isn't it ironic? He's saying I'm your brother whom you sold into Egypt. Those things don't fit. And now don't be distressed and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Is he worried about them? Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there have been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. This This is like Paul and Silas singing praises to God in the middle of the night. While they're in jail. This is like David saying. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you're with me. And your rod and staff. They comfort me. This is Stephen crying out. Lord don't hold this against them. Even as the Jews hurl stones. That will take his life. And here's a man. Who looks his brothers in the eye. Who sold him into slavery. And weeps because what he longs for is the rebuilding of relationship between himself and them, and he can see God in the midst of the whole story, working things out, and ultimately even preserving his people. And so I can't promise you that today or tomorrow or the next day that something tragic isn't going to happen. It may. There could be something that will come into your life that will be terrible. what I can promise you is that you'll have an opportunity in the midst of your pain to be faithful to God and to somehow have in your mind the thought that maybe God is doing something. Not that he caused your direct circumstances, but that when they happen, you can, through God, continue to live. Joseph was a dreamer. And he kept dreaming faithfully with the Lord's help. And I want to ask this morning can you keep dreaming? I'm sure you're tempted at times to stop dreaming, but I pray that you don't. No doubt Satan wanted Joseph to stop dreaming, but God had other plans. For Joseph the dreamer and he has plans for you and so the exhortation this morning is to be faithful have your eyes wide open to what God is doing even in the midst of your tragedies and keep on dreaming because God is going to bless those dreams let's pray Lord God, this man somehow continue to have faith in you. And you, God, so clearly were faithful to him. And Lord, I pray that you'd help all of us. And and some of us, God, have gone through nothing like this. And there are others here, here today who've gone through great pain But whatever we experience, Lord, help us to be faithful to you. And while I know, God, that you don't necessarily cause all the things that happen to us, you can take those circumstances and you can do good. And you can bring about your ends. And so help us through our circumstances to look for your ends. And help us, Father, continue to dream for the ways in which you're working in our lives. Doing wonderful things, perhaps even for you. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen.